Welcome back to the listener's commentary on the book of Acts. In this section, we are going to be looking at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And while it's a short scene, it's really a wrap-up scene to what we've seen so far and a transitional scene to what comes next. Remember how we said Luke organizes the book of Acts like a six-act play and that each act ends with a summary statement of the progress so far? Well, this scene here in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, is the final scene in Act 1 of Luke's drama here in the book of Acts. And so let's just set the context so we can understand where we're at And then we'll look at this scene and see how it wraps this up and sets the stage for what follows. In the story so far, Luke has been highlighting the growth of the church in the city of Jerusalem. It started in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost with 3,000 people coming to faith in Jesus and being baptized. And then in chapter 4, at the end of that, he mentioned how 5,000 more people were added to the church. And then he said in uh, chapter 5 that he just quit counting numbers and just said multitudes and multitudes of men and women were coming. And so the church has just been growing and expanding and enlarging and filling really the city of Jerusalem with the message about Jesus. Also recall how at the very beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus said in Acts 1.8 that the apostles are supposed to be his witnesses, and he gives geographical regions. It says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and in the ends of the earth. And so in this first chunk of the drama, what is essentially like Act 1 of the book of Acts, the, the drama focuses on Jerusalem. The apostles are proclaiming Jesus in the city of Jerusalem, and they're filling the whole city with his name. And in the very last scene in chapter 5, we saw the utter helplessness of the Jerusalem ruling elite to stop the growth and expansion of the gospel in the city. And so all of that leads us really to this final scene here in Act chapter 1 of the book of Acts. And in this scene, what we see is the church has grown to such an extent that now we need to expand leadership in order to make sure everybody is being appropriately taken care of. And so let's look at this and see how this scene wraps up Act 1 and sets the stage for Act 2 of the book of Acts. Here's what happens. Now, at this time, in other words, at this time, some point early on in in the church. We're not sure exactly what the date is, although the events that flow out of this story lead to eventually the conversion of Saul fairly shortly. We know Saul was converted around somewhere 33, 34, 35. Um, And so we're maybe three years or so into the history of the early church at this point. And so again, Luke has only given us a handful of snapshots of those first few years, but they're snapshots helping us see how the gospel is really winning the day and triumphing in the city of Jerusalem. And so now at this time, as the disciples were increasing in number, and so this idea of the church growing, multitudes coming, right? They're they're continuing to preach the name of Jesus in the temple and house to house. And so the number of disciples, followers of Jesus, were increasing in number, and a problem arose in the church. And 
Again, we have to appreciate Luke's honesty. We've already seen this with Ananias and Sapphira, how uh, a problem arose with the selling and giving of goods. Well, here's another problem that arises, and it actually arises around taking care of the needy. And as Ben Witherington says in his commentary, this story actually once again suggests that material goods were both a, a source of blessing and friction in the early church, that um, a lot of good was done with the material resources and the generosity of the wealthy, but it also created at times some friction. Ananias and Sapphira, and what, what happens here? Here's what happens here. The disciples are growing. A complaint developed on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Now, this tells us a couple things. One, that the early church, even though it's focused in Jerusalem, that it's gathering people who are both Hebraic Jews and Hellenistic Jews. That's the two groups we have here. Hellenistic Jews were Jews whose primary language, and maybe even a lot of their cultural upbringing, had more Greek influences. Hellenistic is just another way to refer to Greek-speaking, right? And so they uh, they were primarily Greek-speaking Jews, and we actually uh, will learn in the very next story after this that there's a Greek-speaking synagogue in Jerusalem that is being impacted by and then, then chooses to oppose the message of Jesus. And so we've got Greek-speaking Jews, we've got uh, Hebraic Jews, Jews whose native language was um, Aramaic, they spoke Hebrew in their synagogues and all of that, and um, they viewed themselves as more faithful because they didn't compromise with that Greek language. And so there was already some tension between Hellenistic and Hebraic Jews, at least to some degree. And so here, a complaint arises on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews, and the specific complaint is their widows are being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So again, this sharing of goods, taking care of the needy, making sure the widows are being taken care of, and we know at least a little bit, we don't know the details, but it seems as if the, the Jewish culture at large within their synagogues had the same sort of practice where they would take care of their widows and made sure those who were legitimate widows, were, their needs were taken care of. They had no means of making ends meet, you know, and all that. And so they took them food. It seems as if the early church continued that practice. In fact, the Apostle Paul actually mentions this in um, 1 Timothy chapter 5, how widows were put on a list. They were enrolled as people for the church to care for. And so right from the beginning, all the way up through the first few decades, the early church made sure widows were taken care of. Well, the Hellenistic Jewish widows were being overlooked. Notice that. This is not intentional. This is not, you know, spite. This is administrative oversight. There's a administration issues here, and it's causing some problems at a point where there's already some, some tension and some uh, distrust anyhow. So there, there, this complaint arises. Um, here's how the apostles decide to deal with it, verse 2. So the 12, uh, the 12 apostles, summoned the congregation of disciples and said, so they gathered the whole church together, and they say, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Um, this isn't because they view themselves and their ministry of the word as more important. What we're going to see is both are very important. It's just that the, the serving of tables, i.e. The, the making sure 
food is being distributed to the needy, particularly here the needy widows, is being done in an effective manner, is, is growing to be such a big job that if we were to focus our energies on that, it would take us away from our primary calling, which is to proclaim the message about Jesus, the Word of God. So we don't want to, we don't want to neglect our primary calling for the sake of this, so we need to find a solution that works well to make sure both are equally taken care of. That's what's going on here. So don't hear the apostles' response as, well, our job is more important than that. It's very clear from what happens in the story. That's not the way they feel about it. Let's keep reading the story. It says this, Instead, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So we want to make sure both tasks are being um, cared for in a good, wise, helpful sort of way. And so they want reputable men men who are full of the spirit and wisdom, men who are well-loved, well-liked, well-respected, who have good judgment and discernment can make sure people are being taken care of in appropriate ways. Let's make sure this ministry of caring for the widows is done in a very effective way, and then we'll focus our energies on prayer and the ministry of the word. And so they put this before the congregation, the whole congregation, to sort this out. You select men that you respect, we'll put them in charge of the task. And one other thing to note here is how the apostles see their primary calling. They want to devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. That's, that's their primary calling is prayer and the ministry of the word. And they don't want to neglect that. And I just think it's important to, to notice this, that there are different tasks of ministry and they want to devote themselves uh, to prayer and to preaching and teaching. They have this other task that's going to need other people to do to make sure it's getting done effectively. Well, Luke tells us, verse 5, that this announcement found approval with the whole congregation. So the congregation said, yes, this is a good plan. And they chose seven men. Notice them. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. So they chose these seven men. A couple things to note about these lists of men. First, Stephen. Notice he's given a further description, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So we were already given criteria in verse 3. Stephen is highlighted here, and the reason he's highlighted is because he's going to be the focal point of the very next scene in the book of Acts. And so Stephen is highlighted, and he's a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Philip will play a role in Acts chapter 8. So he's going to be important in, in uh, the continuing outward growth of the church. And then we get the rest of the list. And What's interesting is all these names, Stephen down to Nicholas, all seven of these names are Greek-speaking names. They're Greek names. In other words, the congregation chose Hellenistic Jews to take care of this problem. Just sheer practical wisdom there. It was the Hellenistic Jews who were being overlooked. So the daily serving of food was creating some friction because of that. And so the congregation actually chose Hellenistic Jews Greek-speaking Jews to uh, be in charge of the daily serving so that to make sure, man, let's not, let's not look like there's any tension here between us. And so you get Greek-speaking men 
all the way through this. In fact, not only do we get Greek-speaking men, notice the last one, Nicholas is described as a proselyte from Antioch. What's a proselyte? Well, proselyte is a Greek who converted to Judaism. And so Nicholas grew up as a Greek man, but at some point converted to Judaism and is now a Jew. And then from there, he converted to a follower of Messiah, Jesus. And so you have this group of seven men that the congregation uh, chooses to put in charge of this task. Verse 6, they brought these men before the apostles and after praying, they laid their hands on them and appointed them to this task. And that's how they solved this problem of oversight in the daily serving of food. And then at that point, with that scene completed, imagine like the curtain falls on Act 1 of the book of Acts. This is the end of this first major chunk of the book of Acts. And so in verse 7, we get the first summary statement Uh, that summarizes the growth and the spread of the church as Luke kind of leads us along through the drama of the book of Acts. And so verse 7 says, The word of God kept spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And so the, the gospel is having such an impact in the city of Jerusalem that even some of the priests are becoming obedient to the faith of Jesus. And so the gospel is winning the day in the city of Jerusalem. The apostles are fulfilling their calling to be witnesses first in Jerusalem and then eventually uh, out from there. And that's the focal point of this first chunk of the book of Acts is how the gospel has grown in the city of Jerusalem. Now, before we leave this scene, let me just offer a a short reflection as far as something that I think this section really teaches us that's very important, and that is the importance of kind of a division of labor, if you will, within the church, that as the church was beginning, the apostles were doing everything, and people were coming and laying the proceeds of their gifts at the feet of the apostles, and the apostles are making sure they're distributed to people as anyone has a need, right? But now the church has gotten so much bigger that it's like, we need to expand our leadership because we're getting pulled away from our primary calling of prayer and the word of God for this other important ministry that we're, we're just not doing a very good job at, and people are being overlooked because of it. So they expand their leadership. Uh, and this really helps us see an important lesson for us that ministry must be shared. In fact, here in this scene, both really are called ministry. Like they're going to serve tables. That's the word for ministry, serve. Um, And we're going to devote ourselves to the ministry of the word. Those two words are very similar in Greek. And so both are called ministry and both are important. It's just they're different kinds of ministry. One is a ministry of caring for the needy widows and taking care of the needs of people. And the other is a ministry of praying and preaching. But both are ministry. And we need to recognize that, that there's different kinds of ministry within the church and ministry must be shared. And we see that here in this episode, right from the beginning, that the importance of involving the congregation, choosing men they respect, uh, putting men over this task uh, of caring for this ministry here in this situation. And so we see the importance of raising up leaders, sharing ministry, and making sure that uh, those who are set apart for prayer and preaching 
can focus their energy on that and other people can do the other ministries that need to be done within the church.